CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes. What happens when a doctor speaks out against political policies? Well, if it happens in the heart of a pandemic, the price can be high. Molly Thomas investigates the fallout for one ICU doctor who refused to stop taking on the government publicly over its handling of COVID-19. On a day off, on a routine Monday, Dr. Brooks Vallis's cell phone suddenly lit up. And it contained this letter saying, in, in two weeks you're finished in this role. I, I mean, I was extremely upset. It came from his boss. Three terse paragraphs terminating his position with no explanation. A shock to Dr. Fallis because he had been sent a contract renewal a month before. At the time, Dr. Fallis was the interim medical director for critical care at William Osler Health System in Brampton, Ontario, but was suddenly being cut from his leadership role. What was the response from the staff and, and the people that work with you? We were in a really stressful time, so I think people were very, very shocked. And nobody really had any indication that this was coming. Day in and day out for a year, Dr. Fallis led the hospital's critical care team through the darkest days of the pandemic. In 2020, Brampton was a COVID hot zone. Many sick patients didn't make it, including one of their own. Dr. Fallis made this video to comfort his staff. It's okay to take time to grieve, and it's okay to feel and show vulnerability and emotion. I know that I have. I understand there was a staff member at Oslo that died. Yeah. Like that must have been hard on the staff. Very hard on the staff, yes. Hard on, hard on me personally, hard, I mean, obviously hardest on his family. We're talking about a, a terrible virus, which at the time we had no treatment for. In January 2021, Ontario had declared a second state of emergency. Dr. David Bortz, one of his hospital superiors, phoned him after he heard the news about his termination. How are you doing? Pretty upset, pretty let down. Yeah, yeah, I don't blame you. Dr. Fallis recorded that call. You know, maybe I'll get in trouble for this, but at this point, it doesn't really much matter. This came from very, very high up, uh, well beyond the hospital, as I understand it. It's the politics. I mean, the, the ministry was unhappy and above. But why does the hospital listen to what they say? A question Dr. Fallis still wants answered today. Remember early 2020? A mystery disease called coronavirus first found in China was spreading like wildfire, infecting thousands. Japan soon had a ship full of infected passengers. And Italy's healthcare system was buckling under the pressure. Dr. Fallis was just starting his new role as head of critical care at William Osler and feared Canada was next. So he was taken aback when the Premier of Ontario, Doug Ford, gave this advice to families on the eve of March break. I just want the families and, and their children to have a good time. Go away, have a good time, enjoy yourself. For Dr. Fallis, that advice was reckless. So he was one of the first to sound the alarm bell in Canada, going public with an open letter, calling the situation dire, warning the risk to society 
was immeasurable. I think that the government didn't realize that things were already out of control, and I felt this need to say something about it. I, I don't know why. I've never sent an open letter before. What um, was the response to that letter? One of my colleagues put it up on Twitter, and lots of doctors were retweeting it. Other people wrote back and said, you know, thank you for saying this, thank you for sending it. Four days later, you sent another letter. Yeah. This time to the Prime Minister and other Canadian leaders. Yeah. I mean, why step out like that? The second letter was about, okay, we actually need a big national response to this. The letters pushed for closing schools, working from home, stopping travel and imposing quarantines. The very next day, March 17th, with 189 known cases in the province. Well, good morning, everyone. The Premier of Ontario made a U-turn. This morning, I've declared a state of emergency in the province of Ontario. That same day, airlines started suspending flights. Canadians abroad were urged to return home. It was clear from early on in this pandemic that the, the government message was not always well organized, that it was coming primarily from the Premier and from the Deputy Premier and Minister of Health, and they're not experts. Dr. Fallis's long shifts in the ICU convinced him to keep speaking out. And the hospital was behind him, putting Dr. Fallis forward for media interviews as a William Osler physician. On Twitter, expressing his own views, Dr. Fallis was also gaining attention. This internal email obtained by Dr. Fallis through an access to information request shows how pleased the hospital communications team was. Just flagging a post from Dr. Fallis as it's become very popular. And since he's an Osler spokesperson, Wow, thanks for sharing. He's very insightful and now on the radar of some media outlets. But something changed in the fall of 2020. The second wave of the virus hit and Dr. Fallis's ICU was overrun with patients. He submitted an opinion piece to the Toronto Star titled Less Politics, More Science, heavily criticizing Ford's COVID-19 response. He shared a draft of that article with the hospital. They had told me they were going to need to do damage control with the government. This is that detailed damage control, a strategic heads up to hospital stakeholders like the health minister and the premier. The key objective? To mitigate potential for adverse reputational and relationship impacts on Osler. I had no idea that it would be a cause for such worry for the hospital. I was stunned by that. The Toronto Star opted not to publish that piece. Dr. Fallis took his frustrations out on Twitter. I was reading a tweet that you put to the Premier himself that said, I would be happy to give you a tour of the ICU so you can see what the front line actually looks like, then maybe you will reconsider your garbage plan. Strong yeah, that, words. That was probably a bit of an emotional tweet to say garbage plan. That probably isn't that helpful. Did you ever think that, that being that direct or as emotional as you put it to the Premier, to his office on Twitter, could possibly damage you? Yeah, I mean, it, it occurred to me. Yeah. It occurred to me, but I thought it was a risk worth taking, and I also thought that it shouldn't mean that I can't be a good leader in the hospital. The next night, Dr. Fallis posted about how COVID was affecting his hospital. That tweet got him in trouble. I was on call that night. I was woken up in the call room by a phone call from Dr. Martino. He was very angry when he started the phone call. He informed me that the CEO had received uh, a phone call from Doug Ford, who was upset about uh, what I was saying publicly. So you were told that the Premier of Ontario called the head of your hospital? Yes. What, what are you thinking? I think I felt a little, uh, a little nervous that the Premier was aware of me and 
mad enough about what I was saying to complain to the hospital CEO. The then CEO of William Osler, Dr. Naveed Mohammed, sent Dr. Fallis this letter, ordering him to cease and desist talking about the hospital without authorization. I was shocked. It felt very aggressive, very litigious. The go-to doctor, once sought out by William Osler for media interviews, was no longer in their good books. Dr. Fallis asked for an explanation. A Zoom call was set up. You taped that Zoom call? Yeah, I did. Why? My trust in us working as a team slipped away a little bit. I wanted to make sure that we couldn't have two different stories about what had happened. On the call, the then CEO, Dr. Mohammed, praising Dr. Fallis's clinical work. Please understand that 99% of the work that you're doing, we're very, very happy with. But worried about his COVID advocacy. I've been warned a number of times that these guys in the government have a very, very long memory. These guys remember. And, and that's the first thing we're afraid of. The second thing is to duck force credit. This guy picks up the phone and regularly calls Frank and I. Dr. David Bortz, at the time the hospital's interim chief of staff, was also on that call, warning about putting hospital funding at risk. That's how these guys play the game. And whether you like it or not, they're the paymasters. These guys can be nasty in a way that you don't even know they're being nasty. Was there anything in that Zoom call that, that really struck you as odd or something you'd never heard before? It was quite an eye-opening meeting for me, actually, because if you upset the Premier, then, you know, he's basically the CEO of the healthcare system. So, you know, if you've upset him, then you may be less likely to get your, get the funding you're looking for. W5 convened a panel of doctors from seven provinces. Thanks doctors for joining us from right across the country. All of them have criticized provincial policies in this pandemic, and they recognize the risk of speaking out. There are worse things than getting fired. That's not what ever stops me does anybody worry about being penalized for being so vocal during this pandemic? I think that it's been a thought that's always been at the back of my mind. I received a phone call saying, hey, you know, you shouldn't really be talking about this stuff on social media. And I was scared. I'll be, I'll be totally honest. I was scared. Frankly, even if I wanted to go for some sort of leadership position or leadership role, I know that wouldn't fly. And the simple reason is because people know that I'm not going to just fall in line. There always is the prospect that you're going to be left swinging in the breeze, as it were, uh, because sanctions have been taken against you. It's a subtle intimidation. By the end of the day, your employer is the government, and your employer is also one who is dictating policies. Do you weigh the difficulties of speaking out? I feel no fealty to the government. I'm obligated to my patients and to be straight with people. There's definitely a muzzling happening. They get called in the office to say, be careful what you say. And so there's definitely a censure that's happening. I, I don't think any of us should be muzzled uh, when we're just trying to get the truth out to the public. Coming up. Some of your remarks have been misconstrued as being harmful to the government. Did a higher power take offense to the truth? I would never direct the CEO to promote or fire someone. It just never happened. When W5 continues. Intensive care unit is a doctor's last resort to save COVID-19 patients. The patients on the ward who were getting sicker and sicker, who you knew were gonna end up in the ICU, and unfortunately some people dying. 
But while Dr. Brooks Fallis was dealing with a deadly virus in 2021, he was also forced to defend his advocacy for tougher COVID measures with his superiors. He recorded those calls. Uh, certainly comments that did uh, affect our relationship. And it was really Naveed who had to go and do damage control. Uh, with who? With damage control comments. with who? With the government and the ministry. I'm not the kind of guy that's going to kiss the premier's ass or kiss any government official's ass, but if we put a bug in their mind that people from Osler are always calling them out, when they may be working in the background, then it will hurt us in the long run. They're misconstrued as being harmful to the government, so our funding can be put at risk. Those were hospital executives at the William Osler Health System, upset that Dr. Fallis, the interim head of critical care, was constantly challenging the Ontario government. I felt this sort of moral obligation to speak out and on the other hand this worry that you know the hospital leadership might be you know upset with things that I was saying but I was really genuinely trying to navigate that line. Dr. Fallis also took to Twitter directly criticizing Ontario's premier. New Year's wish for nation emerges from wherever he is hiding recognizes we are in deep silence from Ford this is not leadership. The truth? Doug Ford has absolutely no clue what he's doing. A new COVID variant, Alpha, was sweeping across the UK in early January. Fearing what was to come, Dr. Fallis agreed to an interview on Global TV. If tomorrow, you know, the government came out and said, we've, uh, we're providing funding for another 10,000 ICU beds, we would be able to staff zero of those beds, so it wouldn't really help us. Three days after that interview, his contract was terminated without explanation. Dr. Fallis worried it was the political consequences he was warned about. He wanted answers. He recorded a video call with the chief of staff at the time, Dr. Frank Martino. Then there were the number of interviews that we weren't aware of. Then there were some comments directed uh, at government and at the premier. And this has been progressing. What comments were directed at the premier? Um, I'm, whether they were on Twitter or whether they were on, uh, I can't, I can't. So recall. are you saying I violated the social media policy of the hospital? Um, I, I, there were comments made either on Twitter or on, on, or comments made during interviews about government and about, um, politicians, etc. Kathleen Wynne is the former premier of Ontario. For five years, she led the province and oversaw its biggest budget line, healthcare. Hospitals are funded by the provincial government. When frontline workers speak out, do they put that funding at risk? Well, they should, it should not work that way. That's not the way uh, the system works. We also live in a democracy where people need to say what they see as their truth and not be put at risk and their institutions put at risk because of that. Some doctors tell us when they speak out, they're out on this lonely limb. There's no one to back them up. And that really worries me. You know, it worries me that they feel that the system doesn't back them. And I mean, the government, the hospital, the clinic, wherever it is they work, that they don't feel that they are supported because we need them so desperately mm -hmm. and they should feel that. They should feel that we, uh, that we have their back. You know, I felt that I'd been removed from the position because of 
political pressure and not because of my work. Basically saying this is political pressure? To be clear, I've never said that Doug Ford got me fired or asked for me to be fired. I've never said that. I've always just said that the hospital was experiencing pressure from the government to try to rein in the public commentary I was making, which is clear from the meetings I had with senior leadership. Those senior hospital leaders, led by then-CEO Dr. Naveed Mohammed, later backpedaled, insisting political pressure was not a factor. But Dr. Martino and Dr. Van East, what they said was completely wrong. That did not happen. And there's not one iota of truth to that. Yes, they misspoke. Why they spoke that way, why they said that, I'm not sure because I was not there. Premier Ford also forcefully denied that there was any political interference. That's 100% totally false. Uh, we don't get involved in any HR uh, issues at all in any hospitals. I would never direct the CEO to uh, promote or, or, or fire someone. It just, just never happened. The Premier's Director of Media Relations denied even knowing who Dr. Fallis was. We have never heard of this individual and the allegation he is making is categorically false. That was an extremely strong statement. That really surprised me. And you tweet, I mean, directly at the Premier as well. If they hadn't noticed, then they're not very good at their job. A Freedom of Information request revealed Dr. Fallis's Global TV interview was featured in the Daily Media rundown for the Premier's team. And they actually posted the video uh, of the interview. Uh, they also uh, provided a transcript of the video. It's hard to think that you wouldn't have been somewhere on their radar. I, I would think so. After Dr. Fallis went public with his story, documents show William Osler's communication team was doing damage control. She says they'll be expecting us to refute uh, the pressure allegations. And she puts in brackets hard, sort of saying that these allegations are going to be hard to refute, I believe. On January 27, 2021, William Osler also released a statement stating that at no time has anyone from the provincial government had a conversation with anyone from Osler regarding HR matters at the organization. W5 requested an interview with the acting CEO of the hospital, Dr. Frank Martino, and the chair of the board. They turned down our request, but in a statement, the hospital repeated that allegations of political influence were categorically untrue. However, the chair, Jeffrey Ritchie, did acknowledge that the hospital gave Dr. Fallis confusing information. They apologized for how they handled the situation. They didn't apologize for removing me from the position without real justification. W5 also went back to the office of the Premier. We specifically asked if the Premier's office had raised criticisms made by Dr. Fallis to anyone at William Osler. The answer, no. By show of hands, how many people feel an urgency to continue to be advocates during this pandemic? A commitment made by the seven doctors W5 reached out to all acknowledge the political pressures they face. Dr. Elifson, let me ask, what should the relationship be between you know, doctors and the government and, and are tensions inevitable? I think there there will there will be tension. I think it is inevitable. We don't have uh, the supports we should. Physicians 
do have to be able to speak out and criticize governments. But in the ideal world, there's no role for politics and science. That's where we have to draw the line as a society, because at the end of the day, we don't want a muzzled, you know, group of academics who, whose only best interest is really society. And I think the challenge, and I'll just speak for myself, is that there's no framework to support physicians who choose to be advocates in this, this way. There are a number of societies that we're all a part of, but nobody knows how to protect us or support us. Dr. Mathani, you wanted to get in on that? Yeah, so I think one of the things that we're really missing is just this, this lack of transparency and this commingling of, of the science and the medicine with politics. And so the public doesn't get any sort of a sense as to what the science and what the medicine is saying. I couldn't agree more with Dr. Mathani. If they're going to make decisions that deviate from public health advice, they are accountable to the public to explain why they've, those deviations have taken place. When it comes to politicians, Ontario's former Premier Kathleen Wynne recognizes the tensions her colleagues face. I think there's a huge tension between the political imperatives and the health imperatives and the economic imperatives. But I also have a lot of sympathy for all of the decision makers at all levels of government because they get up in the morning and they don't know everything that they're going to face. That's true of politics every day. But in a pandemic, in this situation, it's even more true. Are you aware of the case of Dr. Brooks Fallis? Yes. And I know there are differing perspectives on exactly what was said and who said what to whom. But the, the very fact that there was a, a fear of retribution is what worries me. Today, Dr. Fallis still works in critical care, but at a different hospital, focused on his patients, COVID, and his advocacy. This is a crucial moment, a global pandemic. People need to be able to feel like they can say things freely and criticize organizations or governments and not feel that they might face disciplinary action for that. Dr. Fallis is still waiting for additional freedom of information requests from the hospital and from the office of the Premier of Ontario. You've been listening to CTV's W5 with Avery Haynes.